And I realized marketing is a good way to do that because, you know, especially in content marketing, you have to be really creative with the way that you tell stories. You have to be really creative with how you draw people into the products that you offer. So that's kind of like the you know, nice little medium where it meets creativity, but also meets how can you communicate in a way that compels people. How can you pivot? How can you take the situation and the circumstances that you currently have and make the best out of them? What skills do you have that are marketable or what are those that you can improve upon in order to get to where you want to be? Well, today's guest shares her journey about how she was working in the fashion industry and was let go of her position and then took the plunge and started her own creative marketing business geared towards smaller companies. And that in turn led her to her current position at a startup in the procurement space. What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with your life? Understandably, a tough question for any 20-something to answer. So join me, your host, Taylor Marks of the Rise Year Podcast, as I talk with some cool people about what they do and occasionally go on long rants of my own about the pains of growing up. Today's guest is Danny Howe, who serves as the community events lead and also hosts the podcast of Spin Culture at Procurify. Procurify is a spend management solution for mid-sized companies used all across the world in order to track, control, and analyze their spending. Along with her job at Procurify, Danny has found a way to use her love for travel with a few friends to start the Inertia Network where they are on a mission to develop ecosystems for human connection by using travel in order to expose people to new cultures and people from all over the world. Um, I'm out, I was actually born in China and then I moved to the United States when I was five. So I actually grew up in California in San Diego. And then I moved to Canada when I was 12. So I went through a lot of um, you know, school changes, um, went through a lot of like trying to find myself while I was growing up and eventually found myself in Vancouver. So I first started off uh, my career in PR communications in fashion. And that was a really interesting industry to be in just because, um, you know, there's a lot of competition. There was a lot of um, also exploring on what it means to be a creative. So I started in that field. And then eventually um, I realized that I wanted to work with people in a different way. So after I kind of got uh, let go from my job because of a company downsizing, I ended up um, creating my own creative marketing agency where it kind of helps smaller businesses scale up their marketing efforts. And that was really something that I was super passionate about because I was able to work more one-on-one with people rather than in a group setting. But funny enough, um, that kind of transitioned into me joining a startup full-time because now I know what it means to kind of join a company that also has a culture of belonging and innovation. So that's kind of the quick 30 seconds of my life story. How do you like being in the startup versus working for yourself? Yeah, it's really interesting. So when I was working for myself, um, you can, you know, totally make quicker decisions on the fly. And also you definitely have a little bit more freedom. Whereas in the startup, you're going to have to think a little bit more on how you work together with your coworkers. And also it's not really just about you anymore. It's about how can you make all the moving pieces come together within a a coherent marketing strategy. So that's kind of some of the major differences. Another one is um, when you're working with yourself, obviously, you know, you're working with a client, 
you just need to make sure that you're satisfying their needs. But within a company, there's a lot of more nuances with that, right? Like how does that roll up with our company goals? How does that relate to our customers? There's just a lot of more um, things you have to consider when you're in a company. Did you go to college? Yeah. So I went to Sammy Fraser University in Canada. So I studied uh, marketing and international business because I was planning on going um, to, you know, another country to pursue my career, but I ended up staying here because I like it so much. What made you study marketing and business when you were in college? Yeah. So when I was a kid, um, I always loved the arts. I always loved being creative. And another part um, that I really liked is working with people. So when I was growing up, I was thinking, oh, can I actually pursue the arts as like a career or not? And, you know, sometimes your parents say you might not want your entire hobby to be your career because you're going to stop loving it. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, what um, can I do in my life that has, you know, equal amounts of creativity, but maybe not particularly, you know, specifically using art or, you know, using drawing or painting as a medium, but another way to create something like a memorable experience for people. And I realized marketing is a good way to do that because, you know, especially in content marketing, you have to be really creative with the way that you tell stories. You have to be really creative with how you draw people into the products that you offer. So that's kind of like the you know, nice little medium where it meets creativity, but also meets how can you communicate in a way that compels people. Did you draw inspiration? So like growing up, were you just like a physical artist or were you drawing? Like what were you kind of doing that kind of helped you helped you? realize that yeah so I actually dabbled in graphic design and illustration so with the graphic for graphic design that's kind of you know creating like entire user journey so you have to kind of think psychologically when someone visits your website what action do you want them to drive and then thereafter what action do you want them to drive that's basically the definition of marketing right how do you get them to point A to point B and eventually purchasing, you know, whatever product that you're offering. So it kind of just fell hand in hand with the, what I eventually ended up doing in the future. Yeah. For you, was college worth it? If you could go back and you had the choice, would you choose to go to college and do what you did or would you choose to kind of go a different path? So this is a pretty interesting question. I've actually questioned this myself too. I honestly think the good thing about college is that it helps you work together as a team, Um, especially, you know, with those group projects, you really end up meeting different personalities and you kind of have to navigate scenarios on how to best adapt to these personalities. The one part that I didn't really enjoy about college that I think maybe something like an internship or maybe even like a cooperative might work a little bit better is the hands-on experience, you know, especially within traditional university curriculums it's very much based on process and very much based on best practice. And I think if you wanted to eventually, you know, start up your own company or join a more creative, um, creative area, you really have to critically think. And sometimes it's not just about following the rules. That's one thing that I wish, you know, university allowed me to do a little bit more is to question my own thinking. That's a fair point. When you, so when you started your own company, um, after you got let go of the one you were at, what was the biggest struggle with that? Because you've never worked on your own previously, right? Yeah, I've never done that before. So honestly, the hardest part was just having enough courage to be able to reach out to clients and let them know that there's something of offer that I can really give them. Because I think, you know, especially when, you know, you're young, you kind of have a lot of self-doubt and you wonder, is there something that I even have to offer when there's so many other talented people out there? But I think, um, you know, there's this really magical medium when you have passion and courage and that creates a joy so when you have passion for what you do 
but also when you have courage to actually do it. That's when you can really find joy in what you're doing and that really makes it worth it. The fear actually just goes away. How did you find these clients? Were you online just kind of looking around? Are they local to Vancouver? Yeah, so there's a few approaches that I did. It was pretty funny. Uh, for example, one of my clients, she worked in the beauty industry. So I actually pretended to actually book an appointment with her <laughs> to, get a, to get a conversation going with her, right? So, you know, I was doing my lashes or whatever, and then I was like, hey, um, notice that your, you know, your website, I was trying to find, you know, X and Y, and it doesn't seem like your experience that clear. Do you have any plans on refurbishing it? And then I asked her, what does your current, you know, client acquisition strategy look like? How are you currently attracting people to your website? And that kind of opened up a conversation there. And she eventually asked me, you know, what do you do, right? And yeah, we became friends. And then I signed for my first multi-month contract with her. And another um, one of my clients actually found online. He runs a, um, what was it? It was like helping other um, helping other homeowners get listed to sell their homes, right? So he manages like a real estate marketing firm. And then he really needed someone who was able to write copy in a way that didn't sound super advertising. And he was like, you know what? I need to find someone who understands how young people buy. So I'm, you know, I'm a young person. So I was like, yeah, I can help you with this. I've done a lot of copywriting, you know, back in my day, even though it was in the fashion world, but it's super applicable. So mm -hmm. I sent him a few drafts and that's how we went. How are you learning these skills? So um, since you've been at university and you kind of obviously had to acquire new skills when you were working on your own and even in your current job, what are you still doing nowadays to kind of keep up with the times and everything that's going on? Yeah. So one thing I really love doing is I love doing free work. I know it sounds a little counterintuitive, um, especially when I find a company or, you know, someone that I really look up to, right? I ask them, hey, is there anything that I can help you with that I can offer value? Here's some things that I've done. Also, um, I host a lot of online events. I think that's a really good way to learn from people because, you know, you get a lot of super smart people in the room. You ask them a few questions, the audience benefits, but you also benefit because you, you're the one learning from them as you speak to them. Kind of like what we're doing right now, right? Like mm -hmm. I, I'm learning from your podcast guests and yourself. And then hopefully, you know, you, you learn from me and the people who listen to the podcast also learn too. Yeah. So I was checking out your bio and stuff. And so were you doing the podcast before you were the community lead for, um, you work for Procurify? Yeah. So what was the situation with that? Yeah. So with Procurify, we're not really a super sexy software company, even though, you know, we're a startup. <laughs> we work in the procurement space. And um, if you ask a normal person what procurement is, they might not even be able to explain it fully. So that's kind of how nuanced and niche it is. Mm -hmm. um, so the main buyers of our product are you know, people who work in finance and people who are very procurement or operations focused. So I wanted to be able to create an ecosystem where people who are in those careers can talk about their issues and challenges in the way that was actually interesting. And I think um, one natural medium to do that was a podcast because you know you got to see them face to face. Mm -hmm. You can ask them questions about their career, but also just about how they are as a person, right? Like that person-to-person -person interaction. And I think that's also kind of lacking in m these more technical fields where normally they're all about, you know, writing long-winded articles that have a lot of jargon. And, you know, someone like me will read it and I'll be like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Whereas on a podcast, I can ask, hey, can you talk to me in a way, let's see if I'm not understanding this. Can you explain it like I'm five? I mean, understandable, yeah. I don't, what is procurement? 
Yeah, exactly, right? So procurement is basically the systems that you have in place to buy something on behalf of your company. So um, take, let's take like a easy um, company as an example. So Procureify, right now we're working remotely, everybody's working at home, but there still might be things that we need to get our jobs done. For example, maybe I wanna buy a new piece of software to help us run these virtual conferences a little bit better. Maybe I do need to buy like, you know, a new mouse pad. So how do you, how do you enable that process to make sure that, you know, finance knows this is within budget, but also let's say any department leads know whether this actually relates to the goals that we are trying to reach. So Procurify is kind of a product that helps you do that. So you can like send um, a request over to whoever your immediate bosses or manager, and then that gets leveraged then by finance to see, okay, with the, is this within budget? Is this within compliance? Yeah, I guess I'm gonna could have Googled, but <laughs> that works. Nothing too. super sexy, <laughs> super niche industry. <laughs> I mean, someone needs it and it's doing well. So it's helping people. If you had 30 to 60 seconds and a complete stranger came up to you on the side of the street, not in current times, but regardless, and they asked you what you do, how would you describe it? This is so funny. Um, my extended relatives ask me this all the time and I have a really hard time explaining what I do. I think one of the easiest ways to kind of explain this is I create you know, memorable experiences to let people know why they should buy a product or what pain point that they have that this product can solve. So the ways that I do this is normally through content, um, interviews, and also creating online events. So these are the memorable experiences that I hope I create. Where are you kind of drawing from? Are you doing like your own testing? So you one of your main focuses is the online events. Did you see mm -hmm. them somewhere for maybe anybody in particular, or you kind of like decided to try it out and you saw it was su successful and so you decided to carry on with that? Yeah, so I actually first started um, the events in a in-person setting, but actually, you know, throughout the years in my careers, I realized that not everybody is super extroverted enough to actually go to a in-person event. Whereas an online event, you can also repurpose that kind of content into many other formats. Once you've run, let's say a webinar or an interview with somebody, you can take that recording, make that into a blog post, make that into an infographic. There's just so many other things you can do with it as well. And there's a lot of um, really leading companies out there that do amazing online events. You know, some companies like Airbnb, for example, they even participate in other people's webinars. Like they talk about some of the trends going on with um, the travel industry, for example, um, another great example of this would be something like Spotify, right? You know, they get all the artists in one room, they have an interview, just a really great experience to really augment a brand. Is that through your own personal or is that for Procurify? So I do both. Um, so for Procurify, it's obviously, again, in the finance and procurement niche. But for myself, I work with a few of my friends on a travel startup. So we actually talk about some of the issues in conscious travel that's a little bit more on the fun side where, you know, me and you can both relate to, but yeah. the Procurify Ed is more technical. <laughs> okay. How long have you been doing the travel-based one? That one, we actually just started over a year ago. I think we're almost hitting two years. So the premise of that one, it's called Inertia Network. We're essentially taking people to some of the most remote areas in the world to really bridge understanding between two cultures. So we take people to places like mainland Yemen, Afghanistan, North Korea, it's really out there. But we think that by showing people these places and by showing, you know, what are the true, um, how, are, how are these people actually feeling about what's happening in those 
um, different countries. That's how you bridge understanding between people to people. How is that? How is the current situation affected by that? Oh, like the coronavirus? Yeah. Not really great. Um, but what we've realized too is sometimes, you know, within a crisis, you have really have to pivot. So right now we're really building partnerships with people who are like-minded because everyone who loves traveling, it's not that they don't want to travel. It's just that they can't. Mm -hmm. So it's a really good way right now to build friendships with people who also care about these more touchy subjects. Like why do we, why do countries go to war? Um, what does feminism look like in the Middle East and how can we change that? Right. And you know, what are some of the political issues that go on between country and country and how do we, showcase that everyone truly is really just the same and they want to care about each other. It's just some of the um, cultural differences and political differences don't allow them to do that. So it's a good opportunity, but obviously it is hurting our sales quite a bit. So hopefully all of this goes away soon. If you had a book written about you, what would the title of the book be? That's a good question. I have actually thought about this for a second. Hmm. I don't know if I can even answer this. That's one thing that's one of my weaknesses. So every time people ask me on, you know, what's one word to describe you or, you know, three sentences, that's where I always get stuck. I think honestly, the book um, would be something like um, in transition. You know, I think um, when you can really um, find joy in being in a transitionary phase, that's really when you can find, you know, what it means to actually live. Because I think people end up um, wanting to just be alive rather than live. And I think these two words are very different. Because once you find passion in how you're being right now at this present moment, it doesn't really matter what you're doing. So the joy of being in transition, I think that's something that people need to be a little bit more comfortable about. And it's okay when you don't really know what your final path is. Because, you know, the you in five years might not be the same as you are right now. And that's totally fine. So what's your advice for people kind of struggling with that? I would say um, just think back to when you were as a kid. What are some of the natural things that attracted you to these activities? Maybe, you know, you always loved working with your hands. Maybe you loved, you know, fitness. Maybe you love working with people. Or maybe you hated working with people, but you love working with numbers. And from these natural instincts, you know, natural attractions you've had as a kid, think about what are some of the things you can do to translate these passions into something of value that you can give to the world. And that usually becomes your career. And even if it doesn't become your career, you know, when you have passion about something, it doesn't seem like work, right? You're going to eventually end up helping someone in some way. And that's really how you find joy in life. Yeah, no, that's awesome advice. If someone were to ask you like, what is your why and kind of like based off of like Simon Sinek or whoever you may have heard it from, what would you say your why is for what you do? Yeah, I think my why is really just helping people find um, joy in being. So I think um, a lot of people in their careers, they question, is this the right place for me? Am I actually being valued in organization? Even what I do at Procurify, right? You know, procurement and finance are normally considered the back-end functions of a company. No one really pays attention to them. It's normally the CEO who really gets the spotlight. But these people, you know, they're key pillars of an organization without the person in finance. How do you know how much money you have? And how do you know what financial decisions to make? Without the person in procurement, how do you know what to buy and what decisions to buy, right? Like these people, sometimes they have um, so almost like a sadness to um, how, they're, how they're positioned in a company because they don't have a place to really have a sounding board on some of their challenges and pain points. And I think 
a lot of these people need to be spotlighted a lot more so that everyone around the world knows how important they are. And I think this is true for everybody. There's certain people um, whose professions may not be as spotlighted or as praised as some others. And I think no matter what you end up doing in the world, you're always giving value to someone. So as a marketer, I really hope I can show that value to anyone. If you could do anything in the world, regardless of your current skill set or situation, what would you do? Anything in the world. Hmm. Well, I'm working on this right now, actually. <laughs> I, hope, uh, I hope I actually eventually end up doing this once coronavirus is over. So I do want to be able to travel around the world while working remotely, both for Procurify and also for the side gig. And I think that will be a really happy medium. Are you yeah. going to stay somewhere for like a few months or are you, are you just kind of like a casual hop or you're there for like, you know, a week or so and then you go somewhere else? Yeah. So we're actually thinking about this concept called the inertia house where it's like, you know, a bunch of digital nomads. We stay in one place for a few months and then um, based on that place, if we like it, we stay a little bit longer. If not, we're going to move somewhere else. So I think our first location might be, um, what was it? Bali, Indonesia. Just because, you know, it's a great expat scene. Southeast Asia, obviously, super mild climate, really great people. And then we're going to stay a few months there and see how it goes and move somewhere else. Yeah, that's not a bad way to do it. How many people are going to be in the house? Um, I think it's going to be like a core founding group. So maybe uh, six to eight people and then their partners as well. So it's going to be a nice little group. And obviously, we can branch off to, to do our own thing. Wow. No, that's a cool idea. Did y'all just come up with that? Or have y'all been kind of sitting on that for a little bit, just like waiting for the time to be right? I love it when you say y'all. So we've been thinking about this for a little bit. And I think especially because we're cooped up at home, right? We're itching to get out. But now we want to also not just travel, but see the world and actually live with these people that are, you know, a little bit culturally different, but really we want to get to know more as people first. So I think um, this is really the time to do it. And soon as coronavirus is over, we're really going to start making plans for this. And hopefully we can build a community around this too, where even let's say yourself, you want to travel to Bali and maybe explore this work from wherever option you can join us for a few months and really make some friendships there. And I think like with Corona too, right? Um, everybody's starting to realize, especially companies that, oh, this might actually be an option that works. Because yeah. I think that it's a trust element, right? Especially for, you know, typical office workers. People are like, oh, you've got to come to the office to actually get the shit done. Or, you know, you got to be able to go to the office to have effective meetings. But now it's proving wrong, right? With all, you know, pandemic hits and now everybody has to be at home. How do you be effective? How do you trust your employees? Right. And maybe you can let your employees travel while working as long as they can get the stuff done. Right. It's not a huge issue. Yeah. How do you guys balance being at home versus being in, a, in work? Like there are obviously some benefits to being in a working environment rather than being at home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think one of the challenges is actually just keeping the culture intact. So especially when you work in a tech startup like Procurify, right, you're so used to the after work parties, um, after work, you know, chit chatter, even eating together at lunchtime with your colleagues, because that's really where, you know, it's the unfiltered talks about what's actually going on in your life. How can I help you as your friend, right? But um, without those kind of intimate interactions, sometimes when, you know, someone on your team, they're not feeling good, you don't actually know until when you get on camera with them and you realize something's off about them and then you have to call them. You can't hug them. You can't actually, you know, buy them a drink. Mm -hmm. So that aspect is always missing a little bit. And um, the meetings, you think that you're going to have less meetings, but really it's just all <laughs> online now. So that doesn't actually change. <laughs>
All right, so my three final questions for you are, would childhood you be happy with where you are now and what you're doing? I think, you know, Danny from five, maybe five, 10, 15 years ago, she would be very ecstatic actually. Because um, when I was younger, you know, I thought that I would have to join like a big company, typical corporate organization, and have to slowly work my way up. I think especially if coming from an East Asian background, we're conditioned to really, you know, follow the system and trust what our parents or people of authority told them, told us that this is the right way to do things. But um, I think looking forward, like if I were, you know, the me, I was 10 years ago, I would actually be very pleasantly surprised that I was able to find a career that allows me to have freedom, but also be able to harness those creative things that I've always loved as a kid. Yeah, no, that's awesome. If you had 24 hours to live, unlimited money, and could travel anywhere at the snap of your fingers, what would you do? Ooh, you mentioned travel, so this is where it gets hard to actually pick. Hmm. So also like, assuming that no corona. <laughs> no corona, just normal everyday living for 24 hours hmm where would i live okay i really loved chiang mai thailand so that was the last trip i went on before i actually you know came back to canada the reason why i love it so much um i did like a meditation retreat there and that was super cleansing for the soul and um recently actually my instructor at the retreat um he went through a few tragedies like the, the place that I went to actually burnt down from a crazy fire. So I think um, if I were able to, you know, help the people that once helped me throughout my life and um, give back in a way that either it's through donation or just supporting what they're doing with um, how I can help them, that would probably be a really good use in my last 24 hours. You know, being able to travel to that place, but also help the people that have helped me in the past. Yeah. Wow. So the title of the podcast is what's next and you kind of alluded to it before with what you want to yeah do. yeah so what's next career personal however you choose to answer it totally so this is um obviously something super exciting that i've been working on um so for precarify let's just break it down to the brackets at precarify one thing i do want to do um this year mm -hmm. is to launch a virtual online summit so this will be a little bit larger scale event um as I was previously comfortable with. So normally with the events that we do, we have maybe like 50, 100 people tops. This one I really wanna do um, collaborating with a few other companies that wanna go for online summits and maybe have like a 300, 400 person event and actually have an online conference. I think that'll be super dope. I don't know how it's gonna look like yet, but that's a goal of mine. By the end of the year, I wanna accomplish this. Okay. Um, on a personal end for the side gig, obviously it's you know having the inertia house, making sure we're running sick programs around the world as soon as you know the travel ban lifts, I hope everyone can really see the beauty of uh, other misunderstood places and be open to traveling to them. My two takeaways from my conversation with Danny are first, to ride the wave. Find joy in the transitional phases of life. It's not all about getting to the destination. So don't neglect your current situation and solely focus on where you want to be. Enjoy where you are right now. And the second is how can you communicate in a way that compels people, whether it's through physical art or words or body language, whatever your industry's mode of communication is, how can you interact with your customers in a way that is impactful and get your message across?